0: Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe
1: Lynch. Oh, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is building world-class tech for the final mile with my friend, Eddie Masica. How's it going, Eddie? It's going good. Thanks for having me on. I just told you the hardest part is getting the Eddie Masica out of my damn mouth. So I, I said it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we got we got past the biggest <laughs> hurdle there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Woohoo!
1: So Eddie, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. We've been talking a lot. We had a conversation a month ago. We just talked before we hit record about the importance of not only Final Mile, but the tech for Final Mile and getting it right. Because that is something that you're going to be using on an app and a tablet. It has to be it has to be world-class, hence the title. But anyway, Eddie, please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today.
0: Sure. Yeah. So, again, my name is Eddie Masika. I head up our product team. I'm the VP of Product Development for OneRow. And we're, I'm out of our headquarters, uh, newly renovated headquarters down in Orlando, Florida. And so we have a few remote people all over the country and the world, but we have a large uh, group in office, which is really necessary for collaboration. And we're moving quick, and we probably have more linear feet of whiteboard than uh, most offices that we've seen. So it's uh, we, we're all over the place trying to figure stuff out. You guys
1: took over a uh, space from a big company, right? What was the... What was there before? You yeah, guys? it
0: was uh, Expedia had a really nice Huge. outfitted office. Yeah, it was big. And so they had half of a floor of a building and we actually took the other half of the floor and then retrofitted it to make it good. So now it's actually this gigantic circle you can do on the on the floor and, you know, getting our steps in are, uh, is the other <laughs> big reward there when you're looking for somebody.
1: Well, there's a million final mile companies have popped up, but not many of them have scaled as quickly or kind of gotten the notoriety that you guys have gotten. And also before I forget, when I started, I first saw Eddie this morning, I looked out over his shoulder knowing he's usually in Orlando (laughs) and it looks like there's snow on the ground, which kind of made me happy. Oh, Eddie's stuck in Pennsylvania or somewhere. Nope. (laughs) It's It's not snow. It just looks like snow. That's all Orlando gets. It looks like it's probably so. a beautiful
0: eighty degrees outside right now. Maybe there there. a
1: <laughs> bit. Yeah. Thanks for rubbing it in. Anyway, Eddie <laughs> tell us a little bit about OneRail. What do you guys do over there?
0: Yeah, so OneRail, we've definitely been making some waves. Uh, that you said, Joe, we we just closed a, a round of funding uh, Series B last year. Really excited about that to to beef the team up and scale and technology and infrastructure. But uh, what has made OneRail so successful since we've been a company in the scene is that we take the shippers that need to send their items out and provide them with the opportunity to put their shipment request into OneRail to where we're making very fast decisions on the best mode that their delivery can be executed on. So when we think about one uh, for Final Mile, we actually look at... Different modes, so it could be somebody's internal fleet of vehicles that they have. It could be a courier, whether it's the one Real's network that we have. We have a massive network of, of couriers that we've put into play. But people can bring their own couriers. Parcel is final mile. Even different flavors of LTL and TL are also final mile in our opinion, right? And so we actually do rate shopping and mode selection, and we're looking at time to serve to the customer, and then uh, exceptions management. And all of this takes place with APIs and very fast technologies. And so we integrate to the courier carrier or, you know, whatever logistics service provider it might be to send them those signals and we get signals back. So we also have flavors of live tracking and labels and customer experience notifications. Uh, we have a mobile app as well to provide to some of these companies. So we do a lot of things, but it, it honestly, it empowers the shippers to execute that final fulfillment, you know, that final step of their fulfillment process. It's just giving them a lot of opportunity and even support when they don't have the technology on their side. Oftentimes they can lean on us to to do more of what they need to do.
1: Yep. So uh, one of the things I love about what OneRail is doing is, and I've said this before when I've talked, I talked to Bill Catania, the founder, and I've had some other conversations with OneRail, is when covid hit we all started to say oh my god final mile became super important and we some of us wanted to eat our groceries delivered and when you do using grocery delivery there's there's services out there but a lot of it is going through going through some sort of delivery service and and the, and those are often gig economy and no no slight on the gig economy hallelujah but what we need from our gig economy workers on that final mile. And by the way, some are gig economy. Some are great big companies, right? There's 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 a spectrum there. And I think yeah. it's a larger spectrum than you see anywhere else in our space. And you need a technology to be the overlay of that. You need operational excellence and tech and a team that makes sure that works. So when somebody says, all I need is somebody to pick that up and drop it off, wrong. I mean that's one that's fine if you want to do one shipment but you guys are doing millions of shipments.
0: <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah and that honestly just to, as a point to to kind of help paint that picture of the those gig economies often are running their own marketplaces as well, right? And so there's you know there's a large company that uh, we're all very accustomed to having same day delivery or two day deliveries now, right? And that mentality though Followed down into some of those gigs for grocery delivery and food delivery. And what we really offer to our shipper customers as well is the ability to compete at that level. Right. And so they can fulfill from retail locations and have, you know, an hour delivery promise or a two hour delivery promise. And they're able to now compete at the same level that these very large companies, to your point, have, you know, they've tried to create their own marketplaces. So we're helping you know a retailer or a distributor satisfy that same expectation that customers have nowadays uh, and you're right COVID definitely set it lit the fuse of of expectation for funnel delivery right
1: so who are your customers are they the retailers that are, are trying to get or is it the carriers who who who, is, who do you look at your as your customer
0: yeah, so we are very shipper-centric, right? So we're looking at whether it's a retail customer, whether it's a distributor, whether it's a manufacturer, it could be a wholesale. We really don't have a specific vertical that we're focusing on either, right? We have things from medical to ag to industrial. It's all over the place. And so that's, again, that's kind of the beauty of what OneRail from this technology standpoint, when we're thinking about it from a user's standpoint, and we're trying to we're starting to solve their pain points. We're looking at what are you guys trying to do? You know, what's the operation? Is it coming from a store? Is it coming from a DC? How is it coming out? And so they're trying to solve the problem of keeping their customers happy, right? So it's uh, it's kind of an interesting question of who's our customer? Well, the shippers our customer, but the shippers' customers also our customer, right? Because we don't want to fail our end shipper. customer.
1: The end customer will, and and also. You look at all your partner carriers, you, you have to serve them in a way also, obviously.
0: Absolutely. We have a great team. Uh, you've interviewed uh, Matt Schultz before who heads up our uh, logistics partner team. And yeah, he's encouraging them to come to the network and working with them to improve their business and grow their businesses. So right. it becomes almost a different, complete customer base as well, where, yeah, they're you know we're putting them in the network to help us succeed and, and help our customers succeed as well. So yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, and I want to make a point, this is something I've said once or twice in my podcast, but it kind of was an epiphany for me not so long ago. Maybe it was when I talked to somebody from OneRail, but when in the past, I've used the term e-commerce and direct-to-consumer interchangeably because that's what e-commerce kind of started is I can buy stuff and they'll deliver it to my house. But more yeah. and more, we're seeing businesses say, you know what? We can do direct to our customers and they are not (laughs) homes they might be a business and I think you guys do business with like tire companies that might say hey we'll have that tire to that store within two hours so you don't have to hold inventory at every location in a metropolitan area and I think this is just the beginning because I can see where a lot of companies are going to say you know what We we have a traditional sales force, but we can also sell online. And what if we can grow our sales 20% selling it online and so direct to consumer, which I've used so often, now I I have to check myself when I say it because it's also direct to business.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So Joe, that's that's getting into uh, omni-channel, right? And so omni-channel fulfillment from the shipper side is we have customers right now. They have e-commerce websites. They have you know these kind of pro-level B2B style accounts that are set up. They have people able to walk in. You or I can go walk into a retail brick-and-mortar store. And all of those modes of how they're collecting the customer's delivery, that's, a, again, that's going back into the beauty of what OneRail is. We want to take all of that, regardless of where it comes from, however that order was originally requested from the end the in- customer, put it into one row and then get back to how we fulfill various modes of that omni fulfillment at that point of, is it a parcel delivery or is it a courier? Is it somebody driving up in a branded truck to, to you know, from that retail location? So that's, yeah, you absolutely nailed it where the, the manufacturer side of it as well, or the wholesale distributors, they're seeing that, that a customer, yeah, I don't have a warehouse to stop 10,000 different types of tires or auto parts, and it's on demand. I want this exact thing, and here it is. And we can get it quick. Cars on a lift—that's a great example. That's that's one of our favorite ones. Is the auto mechanic that's in there trying to you know wrench on something? They needed to have it now because their customer needs to get back on the road.
1: Yeah, and by the way, that, I go to the local tire company, and I think you guys might—they might be one of your customers. And when I need a tire, they always say, "Okay, we'll get that tire." They don't have all those in inventory. And if they did, let's just say, I'm going to make this up, let's just say there's 800 different types of tires that they need to carry. They don't want to carry four or eight of those tires in the back as some of them are going obsolete. But on top of that, let's just say they have 30 locations, the Detroit metro area. Well, if you could have one location that maybe had every last tire in great quantities or decent quantities. You could deliver from though that one location and not have to have extensive inventory. So maybe I'm the local and I only carry the sixty most used tires. But I know if I'm working with one rail, I can get I can get tires from my main office yes. or my main inventory in you know an hour or two. And yeah. that 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 I say it all the time on my podcast: the carrying cost is often much more expensive than the transportation I think most of us who are in transportation logistics we think we're the center of the universe that's the nature of that's the nature of all business right you always think you're the most important part but carrying costs are a huge part of some businesses I imagine the tire business it would be yeah. very expensive to have have 800 tires at every store you just don't want to do it
0: yeah and just from our from you know going to the where, our, where OneRail comes into play, and again, we help our shippers here, That's we're not even talking about the shipper in that scenario, right? We're talking about their customer again. And so we really work together to figure out where are all of those pain points for the user at the end of the day. And it's not the user of the technology always, it's the, use, it's the user of OneRail's product. And so when we think about our product, it's not, I can go log into an app. There is an app, right? There is a login, but it's all of the behind the scenes connections that really puts the that total experience into play and along that process we're touching you know somebody at a warehouse the warehouse the guy that's going to pull items off of it who's staging it the driver that's coming up the getting to the end consumer if there is exceptions along the way so there's a lot of different personas or tenants of this this software that we we look at and through the workflow and that's a big thing to manage. But absolutely, it's, uh, it's empowering everybody to solve those pain points. And then we're figuring out who's affected along the way and what we can do to help them. Right.
1: I know somebody told me, but you tell me again, how many drivers do you guys have who are moving stuff for you guys?
0: Just in the what we consider one rail's network. So it's that aggregated courier side of things. The driver side is, I believe, somewhere in the 10 million mark right there. But again, going start going multi mode, right? What's you know what's parcel? Throw every major parcel and regional parcel carrier in there. Throw every freight company in there as well. Throw in the fleets that we have from some of our customers, where there's you know thousands of vehicles on board, right? And so if you if we truly wanted to say how many drivers, like that, just gets to this astronomical level of of a driver base, where yeah, there's a bunch. <laughs>
1: So so it's about it's about ten percent of the U.S. population right now driving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's a million there's a million different modes at this one minute as we said earlier, and we need that. You need that. So if somebody should call one real and say, "Hey, you know, I, I'm I'm kind out in the sticks," you're like, "Probably have somebody there. Don't worry." <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing. And if to we don't, we'll if, get someone there. <laughs> that's that that has definitely been a motto of ours. If we we will figure out a way to to make it work. But yeah, it's it's interesting to, to like take transportation out of it. You start talking to a shipper, and you know they're like, "Hey, can you help us solve a problem?" And we're like, "Okay, well, where you know if you're let's say they're distributor based, where are your DCs at?" And they're like, "Oh, it's a DC in I don't know Virginia." one for the entire country that's that's what we're operating with you know and then you go the extreme other way and they want to fulfill a lot of retail locations and it's well how many do you have we have five thousand all over the country and it's just these big extremes and every use case is different so again we're always trying to figure out like there are modes that do not work for certain uh shippers that we have and some can take advantage of all of them together
1: by the way when you look at the final mile and i know you guys are doing some of the middle mile now but when you look at the final mile not a lot of companies have traditionally done that and been able to have a national footprint in it. So we know of UPS, we know FedEx. Well, there was other companies that like DHL participates in that, but they don't do the final mile because that's where the cost is. I think a big chunk of the cost of doing anything is the final mile because that's when it's an individual shipment as opposed to a truckload or, you know, an LTL shipment. So, it's expensive, and to get that nationwide network is not easy. So, anyway, Eddie, I want to understand a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you joined the the mighty one sh- one rail.
0: Yeah, so I'm third generation Orlandoian Orlando from Orlando. <laughs> I'm not sure. We keep getting confused there. There's a bunch of them, but third generation from Orlando. Grew up here. You got there before the mouse. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the, we saw it being built, but yeah, went, went to school here as well. I have a background in design and graphic design and interactive design. So I started my career off more building websites. There wasn't, honestly, there wasn't a lot of quote problems. That was high tech then, right? It was. Yeah. Like I, I remember when Facebook was being released in increments to colleges and Twitter was just this thing that you had to text with. And so, yeah, that kind of started everybody kind of shifting into these other mindsets. Uh, honestly, one of my biggest memories of in my professional career was when the iPhones came out and websites started to fit to the iPhones and they started to feel like these apps and we were getting calls from companies to say, hey, can you come help us build these responsive websites that work? So I had some experience in the, the development side of things, the design side of things. And then I... Um, I really went further into actual product development and working on much larger scale pieces of software. So I've done things from streaming karaoke software to insurance software to CRMs to medical devices all over the place. And honestly, building that software and talking to those people and understanding what their problems are. At the end of the day, good design and, and good product is just trying to solve people's pain points, right? What is that what is that end user? What is that person trying to get out of this? What are they trying to solve here? And how can we solve it for you? And usually technology being the thing that's facilitating that the most, right? So yeah, I had a very diverse background in software. And I was working with the CTO of OneRail, David Dashler. And uh, I was like, hey, man, I'm kind of not not too you know, good at where I'm at right now. I'd love to kind of do something different in my career. I'm either going to go do my own thing or you know, work with you. And he said, hey, I got this OneRail thing. You should come check out. And so I uh, came to OneRail and thought I was just going to take a, take a little coast there and slow down and just do some design work and really solve those problems. And then <laughs> quickly got into the weeds of building this product to what it became. But I wasn't an early. Anything man.
1: but slowing that down.
0: <laughs> no, there has been no breaks at all. Ab- absolutely. But I will tell you, Joe, that was one of the good, the good things about where I came into OneRail it was a very tight collaborative we were still we, there was a product there was a prototype and so I got to participate early on and start working with the you know with the stakeholders and with the users at a very early level to start building what we eventually got to and we, we built a product very quickly. That we had enterprise customers, Fortune 500 customers using in a very short amount of time, and so the team that we had and and really scaling up what we were trying to achieve was was a huge success, and it was it was awesome to participate there at the beginning with it.
1: Oh yeah, and I got to say I've interviewed a lot of people from Final Mile, and you know I pay attention, I follow their companies, and I'm sure there's some, you have some good competitors, but um, they also all took a step back recently with layoffs and and by the way that's that's normal part of especially in the tech biz but nobody's got the the growth tra- trajectory or kind of the market acceptance that one rail's got so anyway let's switch gears i want to talk today about building world-class tech so we had had a conversation a few weeks ago about doing the podcast and we had talked about one two three four and at least four things so what's some of the what is so when it's you talk about building the one rail tech and this would apply to other technologies in our space but what did it take when you say what what are you looking at as a techie
0: yeah so i am very tech oriented and i work closely with the engineering team but it's not solely just my product team or just the engineering team right we we really look at this from a um what we've In the industry, not the logistics industry, in in the software industry, it's called the product trifecta. And you're looking at an engineering representative, a product manager type role where they're identifying business requirements and and user requirements. And then a, a user experience designer who's saying this is how it should look like. And they're asking the questions of the user as well. So they're all working together. Trying to achieve the same goal.
1: So that's, uh, say those three again. One is a a user experience guy. One's an engineer. What's the other one? Product?
0: A, A product manager, yeah. So they're identifying more of those business requirements and business cases that need to come out of it, right? Maybe they're identifying risk of, if we did this, there's a potential we would lose visibility to a delivery. If we did this, it would end up costing the shipper more money, right, if we do this operationally the you know their company is going to revolt and say we don't like that right and it's just kind of identifying all those business requirements
1: so once you guys are all together what's what's some of the things you guys are up to
0: yeah, so we take requests from our customers we proactively will interview them they'll come to us with some some great ideas and suggestions we have a large internal stakeholder team as well the the people that we have internally that help manage the exceptions of a delivery in flight that they're interacting with the drivers and with the customers, they have a high, they're, they're using our application a lot and they have a high you know feedback rate for us as well. So we're taking all of these requests where there's some wonderful ideas some very vague ideas, you know, of just like, we need this. And it's one word. And it's like, what does that even mean? Right. Why are we asking for it? And a common term here and just in general of how to get to the problems that you're trying to solve is the five whys, right? And so that's a big one that we all talk about internally of we really want to get down to the root of why somebody's asking for something. We don't want to just go change the product or change the application just because, uh, you know, there's a whim. We want to identify a trend. We want to go ask other shipper customers if they think there's value in it. And so we're collecting all of that to then make an appropriate decision with with that form of data that we're getting real-time feedback from. And then we go build it after that. There's a bunch in that go build it. I'm not trying to downplay that at all, but yeah, It's right, right. the, the goal.
1: <laughs> so you had, you had mentioned before we hit record, we were talking about managing multiple personas. So what does that mean?
0: Yeah, so OneRail's core product that there's a desktop application to it, even the driver application that we have, it's a mobile device that is used by various people, even inside of an organization. So if we started at a very simple level of a persona at, at the most generic, we would have OneRail users. We have implementation managers who they have certain tasks they need to do by logging in. We have our logistics coordinators that we were just talking about handling the exceptions. They have specific tasks to do. The shippers are logging in. The LSPs, those, the service providers themselves, are logging in. All of those tenants, though, now start even subdividing their roles down even further. And if we just go to a shipper organization, there's usually an administrator that wants to see their entire company, how they're doing nationally. Then we get into regional managers and district managers, a GM of a physical location to the various roles of people that are interacting oh, at that location; <laughs> those are the those are the user personas and in, in, that I am talking about. And so, when we make a change, we have to be very careful about not impacting, you know, that user that's using this this product day in and day out, just because somebody over here in a different company or someone internally asked for something. And so, we're always trying to figure out how can we make this. It's it, usually if somebody asks for something too. More than one person is going to find value in it, right? Very rarely does somebody have an idea that only works for them. And so, that, again, that's why we, we go ask these questions. We're trying to normalize that idea and then put it into the product that everyone can take advantage of, improve everybody's life, whether they knew they needed it or not.
1: So it's not, you know, so I've written down shippers, carriers, and in-house. But it is so much more than that because the sh- the guy at the, sh- who might be at the, the Day to day user of it might not have the same. He does not have the same needs as maybe the finance guy who says, "I don't want to track shipments. I don't need up that. None of that. I need numbers, and I need it in a format that makes sense to me." And then, and it's not just one one shipper. There's thousands, right? And thousands. Uh, you know, one of the things I heard somebody say this on my podcast years ago. They were developing a CRM. Uh, customer relationship management. And they said, so a sales guy says, I just want a system where I can put all my stuff in here. I can easily send emails out and I can see what my opportunities are, where my leads are, all this. And up to the date, the sales VP wants something different. The CEO wants something different. And they all, so the CEO and the sales VP might say, I want to be able to track these guys. Who's doing well, who's not doing well, completely different. And I've said this, anyone who's ever used a CRM, if you're not the boss, you put stuff in there. And then at some point, you know, the boss says, I want you, I want to see three leads in there this week. You're like, (laughs) okay, I put three (laughs) leads in. And then next week they say, how are you doing on that one? You're like, oh, Oh, you wanted me to close them too? God darn it. This is hard. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but anyway, you guys have that same problem with the multiple personas that all have. And I imagine you can add something for one, one persona that potentially takes away from another persona. And you have to figure out the technical, technical uh, way to make that everybody happy.
0: Yeah, you absolutely can. You you have to be mindful of when a change is going in. So uh, a lot of what empowers that to cut down on the development side of it is just making it highly configurable, so that a one row user can go in there and then cer- turn certain settings on at a stripper level, right? So it's very funneled down to where. If we, you know, if we toggle this on for shipper one, it's not going to affect shipper two, and we can even get into features that are enabled for them. But yeah, you're right. Like that CRM example. If I just think about CRMs in general, you, there aren't even that many personas of a CRM. It might be the type of entry you're doing, but if you think of you know apps that we use day to day as just individuals of you know a Twitter or something like that, even that, sure, there might be a what we're seeing, what people are seeing from us, and then maybe an administration level. And I'm sure they have various levels there, but it is, uh, there are a lot more touches with what we're doing here. And Joe, one of the things is traditionally, if you break these personas out, you might even be using different pieces of software to do it, right? And so in that organization, just sticking with the shippers, that top level finance guy, might be using a finance tool. And then there's, you know, somebody that's trying to track all of their employees or their drivers or their fleet assets, they might be using a different tool. And so all of these disparate systems, though, we want to connect those back into OneRail so it can be that that single pane of glass, that source of truth that says, just go here because the data coming into us, when we send it back out to you, that's now it's in this nice little package, this nice bundle where... You don't have to go. Or once you're in our system, we can lock it down by different roles and permissions. So the finance guy only sees the finances, not, you know, they're not dispatching delivery out. Yeah.
1: There's, there's, it, it, this just has a lot of tail. So we talked a little bit just now about the multiple personas, and that's, that's not, it's a lot more than just shippers, carriers, and in house. There are a ton of shipper personas. There's a ton of carrier personas. And, and you're, you're balancing that all the time. So you, we also talked a little bit about multiple environments. So what do you mean by multiple environments that you have to design for?
0: Yeah, so the, the actual way that the products are being used, right? And so I mentioned that there's a, a user interface, a UI, right? So the things that most of us would go log into on a website. So we offer a desktop version. There's mobile versions. It's supported on a tablet. There's a mobile dr- driver device as well. And then additionally talking about those types of inputs, those are things that we can identify as as people and see, but in the background, there's these integrations that take place and there's APIs and computers talking to each other, right? And those environments also have to be thought about when we're working through this, because the output of a computer talking to a computer, all of a sudden a human might come into play. And so if we're looking at the desktop or the phone, then it's even a challenge as well, just in in technology. It really is to say, well, there's you know five different browsers that exist on Windows and Mac oh, and versions.
1: God. Yeah, is is there anything worse than when you, you get some new software and it says, oh, this doesn't work in Chrome yet? You're like, why not? And by the way, I'm a I'm an Android guy,
0: and there's <laughs> nothing
1: worse when there's like a new app. They're like, oh, it will be available for Android in six months, and I'm thinking aren't there more Android people than Apple people? Why are we always the second one? I know we're not the cool kids. I know we're not the cool kids with the Androids, but I like it. And But there's that is a something that you guys can't have. You can't have somebody say, oh, I was going to use OneRail, but they're not made for Android phones, or you can't use them with Chrome at work.
0: No. Can't happen. No. No, we can't. And and the mobile front, I will say, I'll, I'll applaud our engineering team that they've switched to some technology that empowers them to release to those multiple platforms even faster, and and not have to do a bunch of double work as traditionally may have taken place. But yeah, we we have to be as up to date as possible, right? We we don't want to necessarily support you know a green screen type UI, you know, that somebody has. If we had to, I guarantee I'd be I'd be building something for it. But yeah, it's modern technologies and it needs to work across the board 100%.
1: So obviously you just mentioned desktop so I can use it uh, on my computer, great. You also do tablets, great. And then you have an app. And I think we've talked about this in my podcast before, uh, some people get app fatigue, right? So let's just say one of your customers says, we already have a delivery app. Am I using their app and OneRail app separately or how's that work?
0: Yeah, so the the mobile app specifically is called OneRail Driver and it's our driver experience app. It's not just for the drivers though. If you think of more of that courier carrier side of things with a traditional dispatcher and then drivers underneath it, oftentimes with these courier companies the dispatchers are also doing deliveries themselves. And so they need to be able to dispatch while they're on the road if they want to go into that that mode of uh, kind of overseeing their their people. So the mobile app we're talking about and that app fatigue, although we're, we're saying we have it, it's something we offer, uh, we would encourage people to use it, but it's there only if they need it, right? So if a we're dealing with a courier and they say, we don't have an app, well, to join OneRail's network, we need GPS pingbacks, we need digital proofs of delivery, we need signatures, There's other we need to be able to send you that delivery quickly and for you to respond quickly. It's okay that you don't have that technology. We have the technology that you can leverage. Now, let's take it a step further. We have a courier that comes to us and says, we already have an app. We were licensing, you know, whatever, or we built our own. Uh, the gigs are a great example, right? All of the big gig companies, they have apps. We don't want to disrupt back into these personas. We're, we're back in a persona right now. We don't want that driver to feel like they have to go do something different than what their day-to-day is. They're not working for us. We're sending them deliveries, right? And we're sending those deliveries to whatever their platform is. And it's the same information we're we're normalizing data. So they're getting the information that that they require that we need to give them that makes them successful to complete that delivery. But yeah, we don't we don't want to disrupt it. Even with internal fleets, we've had people come to us and say, Hey, we have you know this specific device, or we already license this technology. That's okay. We're, we can we can back into your TMS or back into whatever it might be that's powering your fleet. Or again, we have people that come and use One Real Driver to power their internal fleets, and it can run iOS, Android, even Zebra devices and things of that nature. Right? So yeah, yeah. So you guys got okay, man. There's a lot to this. I, I, it's funny <laughs> because when you think
1: when you think just like the the multiple personas you're like that's a lot and then and then when you get into the weeds of app tablet PC um, Mac all the all that that's a whole nother ball of wax but then I think the partnerships you have with other maybe it's your, maybe it's a retailer maybe it's the gig it's that's a whole nother ball of wax I mean there's just this is complexity on top of complexity on comp, comp, Top of complexity, and by the way, I have I won't mention their name, but I used an app, and it was this was a few years back that I used to use to record some podcasts, and they developed a decent app. I liked it okay, but they were smaller, and they they could not respond to an email ever. They didn't have a support group. Honestly, I found myself going on LinkedIn and looking for anyone who worked there, and they're in like russia and i'm sending them notes saying hey and they're like i don't work on that project anymore and i'm like they have no employees right and i i think this is where you know where it comes why you want to work with a leader because they have a team and if there's a a a new tech challenge you got a team that you can put on it and probably probably aren't going to run into at this point a whole bunch of new things that they haven't already seen
0: yeah it's you also feel heard, right? That's that's the other thing, right? You're you were probably trying to get a hold of them because something was broken or you had a suggestion, and that's we we listen oh, yeah. to the customers. Yeah, I
1: was having all these irrational thoughts about what I was going to do to them, and then I was like, <laughs> okay, gr- grow up, Joe, grow up. <laughs> so we talked about multiple personas. We talked about multiple environments: phone, laptop, tablets, etc., and all those partners now that you have to design for now. I wanted to talk to you about the user experience. We touched on it for a minute, but talk a little bit more about more what that needs to be in this day and age.
0: Yeah, so high expectations out of everyone, right? Just as human beings, of what we're being trained from our phones, from you know our emails on our computers, that push of technology, that bar that is being set. For the user experience that we see daily. Even, I mean, take technology out of it. Go to the grocery store. The user experience of just going up and down the aisles and picking out what you're trying to pick and then your checkup. All of that from a world standpoint is improving for the better, right? We're all learning. We're all collecting. We're all trying to improve that experience for everyone because that's what keeps, it retains people. It keeps people engaged and it feels like they're getting what they need. And the goal is to do that in a way that they don't even know it's changing for them, right? It needs to be so right. subtle that they don't even know it's happening. They want, they need to be able to use it and go, oh yeah, it just it did its thing in the background, or it slowly guided me to where it needed to go, rather than throwing a thousand warnings in your face to go to guide you through it. So that's always a, a big challenge for our team. Is we want to improve that, we want to make people's lives easier, down to the fact that we have some cool stuff with that driver app to where, you know, instead of a driver having to tap or swipe or interact in some way that we're looking at things like, oh, when they arrive at a location, then we can start triggering different things on the phone to prompt them that takes, you know, five clicks out of the equation. Just all these little enhancements along the way, the more subtle it is, because again, we're going out there when we're not working, when we're not doing these jobs, you're probably on your phone looking at some app and that app has there's a there's an expectation that you have and honestly it's your pod the the other app that you're just talking about is a great example right there's a point where we lose attention right humans attention span is just it's out and so if we try to load an app up and it's sitting there spinning and it's not doing what it's supposed to do we're out right and we're gonna go do something else and so that goes back into not only is there a need that we have to be quick of what we're displaying and what we're showing just from a transactional standpoint right we that shipper it's their transactional data coming through us to the to the provider to the customer to seeing that delivery is completed that's important but on top of that having to hit a page and seeing it slow down and i mean i'll be honest like we've had our challenges with that right we've seen hey this is slow we're hearing from our customer Got it. We're we're working from an engineering standpoint of how can we improve this. We're constantly trying to figure out how we can improve that experience and take that feedback and get it faster. So they're they're just accustomed to it, but it's a it's a huge right. challenge this day and age to to make sure we're competing with other things that aren't competition. I'll, I'll leave a quick note real quick. It was funny. It was about podcast, and they were talking about that there are companies out there that don't realize that are your competitors. So it's the same thing as like a radio station to a podcast to a movie streaming service. They're all competitors because they're competitors of our attention. And when I heard exactly. that, I was like, man, that and it's the same thing for, for what we're doing. right? So we need to keep people engaged and, and deliver on time.
1: Yeah. And, you know, this is not exactly part of the tech, but it's absolutely Maybe the most important thing is, and we've all experienced this. I think I saw an article, it was about dating apps, and they said, oh, okay, so you go on these dating apps and that's some of the problems they have. So women would have a certain problem, men would have a certain problem, and and what they're saying is, hey, there's some people go in, they create a, create a, a profile and realize, hey, nobody lives near me, or... You know, Or it's 80% men and I'm a guy, right? Or, or they're finding these mismatches in some of them. And it sounds real simple. I'll create a dating app. I'm going to connect guys and gals and guys and guys and gals, and whoever, right? I'm going to connect people to people right. only to find out that I have too many of one and not enough of the other. And that really impacts apps like yours because I've heard a story about they – a company that had a whole bunch of, oh, we got all these shipments in our app and they were in the North, in the Northeast, I guess. And, the, and a lot of the carriers weren't. <laughs> so they right. were like, Hey, yeah. I found out I can, I, I, if I lived in Philadelphia, I would be busy all day, but I live in LA. <laughs> right? yeah. So you have to get to a point where you have enough of the carriers in there or gig economy or whatever, you also need enough shippers. And it's almost l- same as, you know, I'll use the dating thing again. It's almost like ladies' night at a bar. It's Ladies' night attracts a lot of guys to a bar, right? <laughs> also, hopefully, attracts a lot of ladies to a bar. <laughs> same thing is going on here. You get, I mean, one of the reasons I would want to use one ship is because you have so many damn carriers on there. And if I'm a carrier, I say, I want to use one rail because there's a ton of work there. Right, right? And, and that's not part of your design necessarily. But if you don't get your design right, you don't get a lot of carriers and you don't get a lot of shippers.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that user experience is back to how would you solve that previously? You would have to go to one of those carriers' websites and book whatever your shipment is, right? Regardless of parcel or courier or whatever. And then you have to go to another one. This is pulling it all back into where that user experience for the shipper is just send a delivery to OneRail and we'll figure it out for you, right? We we go into unlimited capacity is something or elastic capacity is something we've talked about as well. It's where you don't have to maintain these relationships. You don't have to maintain these rate cards. You don't have to maintain these integrations. OneRail is handling all of that for you. So that user experience, though, is hitting one of those personas you know, from a top level where they're like... We don't, we don't know how to manage this. We don't want to hire a bunch of people. Okay, cool. It even affects it all the way down at the bottom to the person that's sending the deliveries out. They don't even have to interact. We have companies that send stuff over an API to us. Labels are printing out on a warehouse. They're picking the products. They're on a dock. A driver's showing up and everybody's off to the races. And the whole thing's seamless. No one even has to look at a UI. or and but That's still a user experience. That user's experience, multiple users' experience of the life of that delivery was hopefully no one even knew about it besides the end customer and the delivery driver, right? The delivery driver delivered it on time and then the end customer, and I'll touch on, we have a customer experience module where we can send emails and text messages out as the delivery is going through and it provides that end customer the map of where the driver's at with the real-time tracking. It can it can provide them with the uh, the proof of delivery at the end to to ensure that they got where they needed proof of, to get.
1: Proof of delivery is... So- so important. It's always been important. And I think that a lot of people who listen to my podcast say, well, yeah, but proof of everything has proof of delivery. There are still proof of delivery problems. The reason I say that is I listen to my podcast um, and I talk to people who are, you know, on the cutting edge of tech like yourself, and it all sounds good. Well, I talk to other people who are smaller, usually smaller companies, but even larger companies are having proof of deliveries that never show up. And you know what happens? You don't get paid. Right. The guy who sold it doesn't get paid. Well, you wanna you wanna upset your shipper? Just go ahead and lose that proof of delivery.
0: Yep. And part of our experience too is that proof of delivery that I'm talking about, especially on the courier side, is a physical picture of the items yes. being delivered at the location. And COVID actually kind of pushed this a little bit more where people didn't want to sign anymore and they didn't want to touch devices and they didn't want to get that close. But it was put the thing down there and take a picture. Honestly, no one
1: wants to answer their door.
0: (laughs) Right. But Joe, I'll tell you, honestly, I'd rather the proof of delivery than the signature. I I sign things terribly when it's a delivery. You know, it's just scratch. There would be no validation. I would rather than say, no, it's right there in front of the, you know, the yellow door on your house. Like, that's what we're looking for. Right.
1: So. Eddie, I want to wrap this bad boy up. I'm, I'm, I'm going to summarize this. I want to get your final thoughts. And then before you go, I want to talk a little bit of how we reach out and talk to you. And also, I want to talk about conferences we're going to be at. So we're talking today about building world-class tech for the final mile with my friend, Eddie Masika. And we talked about, you said there's the, that trifecta. What do you call that? There's product the product manager. You got the techie and you got the, da- the, the graphic guy. Yep. So you create those teams. and And what you guys are always worried about is, Managing multiple personas, multiple personas within the shipper, within the carrier, and the in-house people—you just have to design for a lot of people and to so solve their the problems. Yep, right. And then, and and they all have different problems. I mean, it's very similar, but there's different problems. Managing in multiple environments, whether it's a phone or a tablet or a PC. It all has to work. It has to be seamless, and and if you use Chrome or something else, it has to work. Even if you have an Android like me, it got to work <laughs> exactly. And we talked a little, a lot about the user experience. And and again, I think we didn't use the term today, but we used it when we were talking the other day. Somebody said on my podcast, "consumer grade tech," consumer because grade that's tech. what everybody wants. We've been spoiled with consumer grade tech, and there was a time, and I'm sure you remember this, Eddie, when we had all this cool stuff at home on our computer and then we'd go to work and you'd have clunky stuff that you used at work and be like, Hey, just press F8 and then five and (laughs) it'll take you to the cost screen. (laughs) You're like, well, (laughs) that was intuitive. (laughs) Nobody will put up with that anymore.
0: (laughs) No, it's not acceptable. What we get at home,
1: we want at work. That's it. And then we just, so I'm sure I missed something here. So Give us your final thoughts, and then we'll talk a little bit about how we can reach out, and talk to you at OneRail.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was a pleasure talking to you today about you know solving it's solving problems honestly and I think you said something, Joe, that kind of got me there of it sounds simple when you, when you think about these individuals and listeners of your podcast might be you know they're thinking about what they do on their day to day and they might only be a small piece of this thing that Onerail has become, right. And so, you know, I would encourage people to always think about it's there's a lot of problems out there. Logistics is this massive line of a bunch of things put together. And so OneRail, if you're a shipper customer or if you're a carrier, we probably have a solution that helps empower you, solves your problems and also connects you to somebody else that can help fulfill. Right. If you're a shipper, we can give you supply. If you're a courier or carrier, that's also supply coming from your side as well, right? And so, that's you know that's one of our biggest things. So, yeah, I think that's a good kind of sum up of always always yes, trying to I help. Appreciate people. that. Yeah.
1: So, I was just before we hit record, I was asking what conferences you're going to be at, and you know there's going to be a big, big one rail presence at Manifest, and this I think is going to air. This podcast is going to air on Monday, Monday before Manifest. So if your at the manifest conference, and you're listening to this podcast on Monday or the day before on your way in the plane, you definitely need to reach out. And I, what, so what booth do you guys have for anybody who's, cause that is a massive conference. So you need to know the booth. So you can <laughs> yeah. go see the fine folks at OneRail.
0: Yeah. Make sure you circle it on your map once you get there. Uh, it's booth 201 and we're also the uh, the beer garden sponsor so come visit us at the beer garden and uh, and talk to the one Okay Mono so team. no one cares now about two right. no one cares about the booth 201 <laughs> now now all they go
1: oh there's the sponsor in the beer yeah. garden forget <laughs> yeah. it i'll, oh, I'll see him there, there. I,
0: I, we have a cool we have a cool booth though that there's uh, there's probably swag we're, we're a big swag company. so uh, definitely stop over there and, and talk to our team at the table too though hit them up both times and uh, ask more questions
1: yeah, and you said Bill Catania is going to be there and, and his wife, the founders?
0: Yeah, Bill and Lisa are both going to be there uh, as well as our. Uh, we have a fairly new CRO and uh That's new Ron, sales Ron,
1: team. Rich, Ron Richardson, right? Yeah, Ron is I've going to be there as the well. Podcast.
0: I think there's a, a few new salespeople we have going through there, some of our solutions team. Well, we, we're going to have a pretty big presence there this year, so it's going to be a good time.
1: And I will be there. And guys... Speaking of apps, if you're going to manifest, download the app because it's excellent. And everyone I'm talking to who's going to manifest, and that's a lot as a big crowd to this year, everyone's excited, but everyone's going, I'm getting dozens of emails. How do I manage this? And I was like, the app, the app, the app. Cause you, can, when you get to a conference this big, if you don't have that app, if you don't have a sense of who's there, you're just going to be wandering and hoping that you bump into the right people.
0: Yeah. Or you do when you're lost in the woods. You're supposed to just stay in one place. And then that way, everybody else is going to walk by you, right?
1: <laughs> I'm going to sit I'm going to sit in the one-rail beer garden and wait for everybody to pass me. That's, yeah, anyway, that's how you um, see more people. Yeah. So there's another conference you want to talk about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the RELA conference is going to be down here in Orlando. We're booth 1723. What is it RELA R- I L a, and okay. we're going to have a booth there, but additionally, we're, um, we're going to do something a little bit different since it's in our backyard on February 20th from five to 7 PM, we're going to host, uh, host a networking event at our newly renovated headquarters that we were talking about, uh, at the beginning of this podcast. So we're going to do, uh, there's going to be a smoke old fashion bar, various foods, Cassandra Gaines from Mad Gaines on Freight TV yep. is going to be here doing, a, I believe, a live uh, podcast as well. And so we're going to have shuttles coming from the event after the event concludes. We're going to have them coming over to the office and back. So we really encourage everybody to come check us out for that as well and uh, participate.
1: How far away is Rila from your offices?
0: It's it's probably around like 10 minutes or so, 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah. Oh, perfect. It's very quick, short shuttle ride there and back, yeah. Oh, that's excellent. And so w- what day is that again? February twentieth, from five to seven after the conference uh, is over for the day is where we're gonna do. If
1: you if you guys give me a link to that, I will make sure I put it in the show notes so people can who are going to rela can make sure they uh go over to the OneRail event too.
0: Awesome. Cool, yeah. And then just as a as a final plug, just uh we're we're always hiring. Like I mentioned before, we, you know, we we closed around while other
1: people are laying other yeah. people in this space are still laying off. And and again, no 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 shame in that. There's lots of great companies that lay, get, and lots of good people are getting laid off. It's the nature of the business, but it's telling that you guys are hiring in this space while others are retreating.
0: Yes. And so you can go to onerail.com slash careers to see our open job postings as well. So if you have logistics experience, or even if you're just wanting to make a change, definitely welcome you to go over there and, and check out the page. And then, additionally, it's all the normal socials we have.
1: Excellent, excellent. And are all those jobs in Orlando or some remote?
0: Some are remote. Yeah, we absolutely we we encourage people to to come into the office and you know hang out with the team. And it's not bad when you're in Orlando. Yeah, it's not that bad. We have a (laughs) lot of fun uh, benefits and and things that we offer in the office as well. But we also have a ton of remote positions, like I said. So. US based even in uh, we have resources uh, on the engineering side even around the globe so yeah definitely encourage people to come check us out well
1: what i'll do is i'll put a link to anything you give me cuz we talked about it a lot and, <laughs> awesome uh, we'll see we'll see at ma- we'll manifest we'll see it relot and it's really been a great great conversation again i think the at the at the at the top end of this, you can think, oh, this is fairly easy to do this kind of stuff. And then when you get into it, you're like, no, anything but easy. Hey, one last thing before I, I I'm gonna put you on the spot. You can't say someone from one rail because I'm talking to you already. But what's name a person that I should talk to on my podcast?
0: I'd say that the guys over at Freight, it's a career company with a Y, they are always doing some really pushing the boundary type stuff for their platform that they offer. And so that's probably, that would be an interesting Are they
1: one. a one, one rail partner?
0: They are in our network, yeah. So I didn't pick somebody from OneRail, but yeah, we've we've enjoyed. <laughs> no, I'd be happy to interview them. Him. Connect me. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely, I'll get a name and connect you over to them for sure.
1: Thank you so much, Eddie. I really appreciate you taking the time.
0: Absolutely. Thanks, Joe.
1: And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward.
0: You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field.
1: For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.